0: I Uncovered Something Serious on Hart Island, Please Tell the Media Written by Urbex Machina I'm an urban explorer in New York City, and I went to Hart Island last week. That's the tiny scrap of land in the East River that was a prison camp during the Civil War, then a psychiatric institution, then a TB sanitarium, and now a mass grave for poor people. You get the idea. The island is mostly abandoned now, so I went out there. There's supposed to be like a million bodies buried there, so that would get me views. It's close, it's creepy, I assumed it would be empty. It's run by the Department of Corrections, but after asking around, I got a few DMs saying that it's pretty easy to avoid them if you stick to buildings and stay away from the mass graves. At first, things seemed fine, you know? I was supposed to be getting the creep-out vibes, but... Heart Island is actually kind of a beautiful place. It's mostly nature now, lots of trees, and half the buildings that are still standing are kind of old where they're charming and rustic. So I checked some of those out and took pictures. And then I heard a helicopter closing in overhead, and I saw a black SUV winding up the road in the distance first I was just like, ah shit, it's security, so I ducked inside a building and took cover, but as I kept track of the helicopter through the window, it got lower and lower and lower. It wasn't just surveilling the island, it landed just over the hill next to me. The SUV was also closing in, but the people in the car didn't look like cops, it was like bunch of laughing women in fancy dresses. For the life of me, it looked like they were going to a party. I looked around. Where the hell had they come from? Were they already on the island this whole time? The thing is only like a third of a square mile, and there's no bridge to it. And where were they going? I wondered if it was some thrill-seeking billionaire trying to impress his friends or one of those high-end theme parties that you hear about. They drove right past me and over the hill. Then, another helicopter came and landed, and another, and another. I decided to check it out. Fuck me, that was a bad call. So I stayed inside the tree line, trying to keep hidden, but I started to follow the car over the ridge. Over the hill, there was a squat gray building. My stomach kind of churned when I looked at it. It just looked like a sanitarium, or a hospital, or an asylum, something, possibly a prison. But there were all these people milling around outside of it, cars, helicopters, all disgorging men in black suits and women in cocktail dresses like it was the fucking Met Gala or something. Then I started inching a little closer. Urban exploring doesn't normally involve sneaking up on people, but I noticed that no one was hanging around the back of the building, just caterers coming in and out. Most of them not in uniform, just white aprons, which was perfect. Maybe I could blend in there. I went around the back and crept as close as I dared By now, the stream of caterers were starting to trickle off. Whatever it was, was about to start. I waited for the last caterer to disappear and prayed that they didn't lock the door behind them. I got lucky. The creak of the rusty door seemed like the loudest noise that I ever heard as I pulled it open. This place clearly was not built for luxury which just piqued my interest further about what in God's name all these people were doing here. My heart pounded as I wove through the kitchen. It was dark, but definitely in active use, filled with pots and pans and delicious smells bubbling up from them. I started down the hallway. It was way too narrow. There was nowhere to hide if I needed it. I had crept through dozens of buildings older and emptier than this one, but this was the worst. I'd never broken and entered anywhere inhabited before. Pretty soon, a hush of whispers came to me. Men and women, low voices, excited, small talk. Some of them, the younger ones, were giggling. Some of the older people sounded very serious, worried, like at any party where some people have business and others just have gossip, I guess. But I kept hearing the word Skinner, which was weird. The Skinner situation, the Skinner incident, what happened in Skinner? Is Skinner a place? If that means anything to anybody, please let me know. I was actually in a pretty good spot for stealthy eavesdropping, until something ran up the leg of my pants. I managed to muffle my scream, but I did not contain the flailing. I stumbled forward, directly into the open doorway, a terrified little mouse flew off of me and scurried away. A hush fell over the entire room when I stumbled in. This was a massive room with rust-colored cracks running through the yellowing paint. But it was made up to look like a giant party atrium with tables of snacks lining one wall and fucking balloons hanging from the ceiling. What the fuck? About 200 people wearing Prada and Gucci stared at me. I stared back at them. An older woman in a cocktail dress took a step towards me um hello the woman smiled uncertainly nervously shit 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 are you with the gardening staff hallelujah yes yes ma'am i looked down apologetically maybe too enthusiastically at my mud covered boots i was told to find a supervisor and uh i did my best to look lost and clueless it didn't occur to me that Heart Island doesn't have a gardening staff. Then the woman smiled this wide, unnerving smile. Oh, it's no trouble at all. She glanced at the two men next to her, who looked decidedly more concerned. In fact, why don't you join us for a spell? I'm sure you've been working very hard. The bigger guy's eyes widened. He was suddenly smiling too. Yeah, get yourself a snack, kid," he induced. big, fuck this energy. But the lady behind me gave me a playful little shove forward. Enjoy yourself, you're in for a show. So I stood around, surveilling the room as suddenly as I could. This was a weird-ass place for a party. The upper floor overlooking the atrium was lined with doors that looked like steel and I didn't want to think about who they might have held. I couldn't record discreetly, surrounded by all these people, so my plan was to wait around until they started to leave and then hide in a bathroom or something to film the aftermath. Until then, I was all alone in this mass of disgustingly rich people, chattering on about increasingly unsettling things. What's your intentions for January? One woman asked her friends. They're saying it's going to be a big one, a good time to ask for big things. You don't believe that amplification bullshit, do you? The man at her side asked. That stuff's all in your head, cognitive dissonance. Channeling works the same way all the time, we just like to imagine there must be a trade-off when things go to hell. Look at 1929, the woman insisted, major gains, major losses. They always come together, it's the balance. So when things get really bad for a while, it must mean something really good is coming. We just had to take advantage of it when it does. Cognitive dissonance, the man insisted. Pattern seeking, all of that. With all the suffering in 2020, we can hope. Another woman raised her champagne flute in a gloved hand. I look forward to the many years of long life and good health. I drink to that anytime, the man agreed. Every bone in my body told me something here was really, really wrong. But then again, I was curious, maybe a little flattered. I'm not the kind of person who gets invited to big events, and some of these people seemed kind of nice, ignoring the fact that I was wearing an outfit that could best be described as Antifa loses that mud wrestling. I thought to myself, what the hell, why not? But an hour later, serious alarm bells were starting to go off in my head. Gaggle after gaggle of rich people came up to me, like I was some kind of fucking celebrity. They asked about me. What was my name? I lied, obviously. What did I do? I lied about that too. They told me how it was so good to meet me. I was too flabbergasted and possibly also too freaked out to ask them anything about themselves. People like me don't have long-term relationships with people like them. I felt like an animal in a zoo. Maybe this random poor person who walked into their midst was their excuse to feel good about themselves for being magnanimous. About an hour in, the sound of clinking glass filled the air. Everybody fell silent almost instantly, and I followed their expectant gazes to see a taller man with a thick, salt and pepper beard. The woman who invited me in stood at his side, smiling fondly. Esteemed magisters and members, from Silo to St. Charles, from 71st to Georgetown, we welcome you. He had a voice for radio, and now it echoed through the cavernous room. Thank you all for your presence here tonight. I know I, for one, have been anticipating this occasion for the better part of a year. Thank you for the opportunity to host. This is an auspicious time to indeed renew our collaboration. All signs are that the energy of this alignment will be particularly aspicuous. The world has seen terrible suffering in this past year, but we all know the greatness that will follow. Magisters? The hairs on the back of my neck were starting to stand up. Aspicuous alignments? Sounded like some harmless rich people bullshit. Like astrology or maybe the secret. But magister? Sounded like something out of the craft. Then he looked directly at me. We have an unexpected guest with us tonight. I looked around. The eyes of the rich folks nearest me were fixed on me too, yeah, nope, 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 I started to inch towards the door to the kitchen, but the group around me tightened a little, smiling at me, smiling, like they were afraid I'd run, yeah, I'm I'm gonna head out, I'm sorry to intrude, I tried to push past them, politely but a little insistently, but they didn't budge, and one guy even went to grab my shoulder. So I bolted, I tried plowing through the crowd, hoping that they would be too delicate to try tackling a crazy person who was clearly having a nervous breakdown in the middle of their gala. My hopes were disappointed. Whispers like hisses filled the air around me, and suddenly, my feet were in the air. Somebody must have spilled champagne because I hit that tile floor with the full force of my weight. The party guests gathered around, giggling and exclaiming in awe. Geez, are you okay? I looked up to see an unrealistically cute girl kneeling over me. I really think I've seen her in something, but for the life of me, I can't place what. Hey, your your leg is bleeding. I looked down and the pain hit. I think you cut it on my glass. You gonna bolt on me again if we get you a band-aid? I looked at the champagne flute shattered beneath me, and the champagne all over her dress, and suddenly, my fear was mixed with a twinge of sheepishness. She took me over to a side area and found me a towel. We chatted while she held it against my leg, and I tried to shake off the embarrassment of fleeing in terror from what was so obviously just a gala. There was a lot of blood, which for some reason made it even more embarrassing, but she was really chill about it. Saw right through my gardening staff story, but she offered to keep the secret if I stayed and helped them out with something they were about to do. Just a dumb show thing that happens sometimes, but it means a lot to people. All you had to do is sit on the stage for a few minutes. I wasn't feeling very motivated. say no to her just one thing i'm gonna have to blindfold you while we walk you in wait a minute why would i need to be blindfolded is this like an eyes wide shut kind of thing (laughs) get your mind out of the gutter and the next thing you know there i was being led through the dark i felt the girl's hand lead me down the hallway then another set of hands then another, at least four people had their hands on me, staring me towards something I couldn't see. Suddenly, an older woman's voice, the woman who initially beckoned me in, was in my ear. Take a seat, dear. They sat me on a chair, but the hand stayed on my shoulders. Suddenly, I felt rope swing around my left wrist, then my right. They pulled tight with a violent jerk, burning my skin and crushing my arms against the arms of the chair. I yelled out in pain, then the blindfold came off. I was sitting in the middle of a dramatically lit, circular ballroom. The paint was flaking, but the chandeliers were burning like it was a hundred years ago. I was surrounded on all sides by the party guests watching me, waiting for something. What the ever-loving fuck? The cute girl was standing in the front. She winked at me. It's really awesome that you're doing this. I stared at her, while everyone else looked at me like a movie star. I didn't know if I was the hero or the victim. I swung my gaze around the ballroom, trying to calculate just how much danger I was in. I was flanked by four huge brass bowls. Two of them were filled with what looked like water. The other two billowed bright orange flames. Two people stood on either side of the four bowls. They wore white ceremonial robes that looked like they had been made by Versace, embroidered with bright black symbols. At the edges of the crowd were about ten people with scepters? Is that the right word for it? Well, some kind of staff with big, heavy-looking knobs on the ends. They were also engraved with symbols. What the actual fuck have I guided myself into? The chandeliers dimmed, and the ballroom was cast in an eerie, flickering orange light. The crowd around me fell silent. It didn't seem real. I stared at them and they just stared right back. And then, they screamed. All 200 of them screamed at me, their faces contorted into grotesque snarls of rage. I screamed too. I couldn't help it, and then they stopped. Instantly, they were silent and staring at me again. I was shaking. One of the men in robes stepped towards me. He had something in his hand, it was the towel with my blood on it. He held it up for the crowd to see and walked with it over to one of the flaming bowls. He caught the towel on fire and dropped it at my feet. The crowd hissed at me as the flames licked dangerously close to my jeans. I tried to pull my legs up and away from it still burning me through the denim. I waited for my pants to catch fire, but the rag burned itself out. The spotlight went out, then the singing started. A low murmur, perfect synchrony, perfect harmony. The acoustics of the ballroom magnified their voices until the air itself seemed to vibrate. I could feel the vibrations in my chest even though the voices were still, low, and gentle. Whatever words they were singing weren't English, they weren't Latin either, I've never heard anything like it. The volume rose, but in a way that felt excruciatingly controlled. The harmonies remained intact, the voices perfectly synchronized. This was a religious act for these people. I could see the faces of the front row in the light of the fires, and their eyes were closed. People didn't achieve this kind of harmony unless it meant something to them. The volume and pitch were rising slowly. My ears were ringing, and my chest was aching from the force of the noise. The people in the front row were shouting now, then, they were screaming again. But this time, it wasn't normal screaming. The voices kept their synchrony, their pitch, building a weird chorus of competing and harmonizing screams. They sounded like they were about to kill somebody. All at once, the screaming stopped. Thank God. But it was replaced with hissing. An aggressive, hungry, chanting. The hair was standing on my arms, and then I realized it wasn't just from emotion. The air around me had grown very, very cold. A sudden gust of wind ruffled my hair. I looked around. Wind? Then something tickled my face. A gentle rain of dust. Plaster dust. I looked up, directly above me hung a huge, ancient chandelier. I threw myself, still tied to the chair, away from it, and at that same moment, a thunderous crack echoed through the ballroom. I hit the marble floor between two of the flaming cauldrons. At the same time, the chandelier impacted with a horrific crash, and then nothing. I woke up alone in the back of an SUV. My body hurt, my head hurt, the cut on my leg stung, my shin still burned, and I was covered in deep bruises. I glanced out the window. Where are we? But I knew the answer. We were in Queens, only a few blocks from my apartment. Almost home, sir. How did he know where I lived? My wallet was in my pocket. So was my phone, but I left my ID at home. You're lucky we found you when we did. The driver passed me back a bottle of water and a packet of aspirin. And that it wasn't worse. Those buildings can come down at any time. There's a reason people aren't allowed out there. I stared at him in the mirror. What was that? You got hurt exploring. That's all. Who are those people? Who are you? The driver pulled over and turned back towards me. He stared at me, gravely serious. No one. You saw no one. You got hurt while trespassing and we found you. And as long as that's what's happened, you're going to have a healthy and prosperous life. Do you understand? I thought I did. Maybe. Prosperous how? He didn't answer. But if that's not what happened, his demeanor changed. I saw a bit of fear come into his eyes. Don't. I've seen what can happen, okay? Don't tell anyone what you saw, or who you saw. Just please. You don't deserve what will happen to you, and for the last week. I haven't, but I recognized one of them on CNN yesterday, and like I said, I can't handle knowing about this and not telling anyone, so I'm almost positive it was, and I think if I share these pics with you guys in the description of this episode, you can help me ID the others, so here we go.